done this thing. Hello and welcome to our latest episode and our very first time looking at a Hammer thriller this time. Yes, uh, uh, what I say a contemporary thriller. It was at the time. Um, it's not very contemporary now, but yeah, this this is this is something we haven't looked at before, and this is this is more the sort of the arena of Amicus and Trigon uh, or Trigon. Trigon. Yeah, um, the 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 sort of lesser. Because obviously doing a contemporary is cheaper, isn't it? You don't have to build sets. You don't have to uh, create costumes from scratch. Um, so generally when you had uh, like the anthologies and the portmanteau films by competitors, they were always contemporary. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's really weird because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of any other Hammer other than their comedies and stuff like that that I've watched that was a contemporary one. Well, you, you, you know, this is the last in the run of the Jimmy Sangster thrillers that yeah. he wrote. And, and one of the first he wrote was Taste of Fear, uh, which is a really good one. And we will cover that one day. Uh, and that was contemporary. But that was contemporary of like 1963 yeah. or something. It, and it was in the south written, of France. This was written in sort of 62, 63. Yes, I'll, 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 I will, I will yeah. divulge in a minute. But um, I'll tell you what, um, watching it, it... it I mean, this was filmed in like November, December of '71, yeah. and it looks freezing, doesn't it? You know, it looks cold and horrible, horrible, uninviting. It fits it the tone of the film. Yeah, but perfectly. what it reminds me of is—I mean, this is only '71, but you know, eight or nine years later, Hammer were doing their TV series, the Mystery yes. and Suspense one. This could fit in totally yeah, with this, one of them. To 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 the point where. Yeah, it's, it it definitely feels like the Hammer House of Horror TV show, um, and I think it would the story would probably suit that hour long format slightly better. This does feel like a a stretched story in one of the the anthology or portmanteau films that Amicus were doing. Um, I I think the story is a bit slight for the running time, but it's sheer style carries it through but yeah you're right it it does feel like a much later mm. uh hammer offering when they were doing it because it was cheap yeah um yeah. but you, I've, I've watched a few of the hammer hammer house of horror tv shows uh in about the last year uh because i found it's this the uh, one of the streaming channels has got them all on it and they really don't stand up no you know there's the cl- sort of the classic ones the werewolf one and that but some of them are just you're watching it, waiting for that twist, and there ain't one. It's like, oh, that's it, is it? Oh well, um, yeah. So, so it definitely feels like a later one. What's really weird when I was watching it, because I was, <coughs> there's bits of this that, as we get to them, that almost predict the slasher cycle of of the mm-hmm. early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, and I was thinking, because Ham, Hammer were desperate when when the the, the gothic films started to die off they were desperately looking for the new genre to get into weren't they and they tried pretty much everything and i thought if they'd have just carried on with this and tweaked it they could have been the first to cash in or even the first to to sort of i won't say they invent it but they could have had the the serial killer stroke you know uh invincible killer type film yeah um, and I think they would have done it well, and they would they would have really put some some umph into it. Um, whether it would have kept them going for very long, because the 
the the the slasher sort of cycle died very quickly didn't it it's it became mm. the the province of uh you know penny dreadful studios and no budget stuff but yeah this this was this was an interim one this was unlike uh, almost any other hammer i'd seen or i have seen up to this point so yeah. it'd be interesting to see if we do you know some of the others rank mm. up to it yeah uh, it's a great cast as well the very cast, good cast very good cast, cast really paper over some of the thin bits yeah we're, talk- we're talking about the thin yeah. bits um yeah jimmy sangster then um yes. i'm back at his book and I've got some lengthy quotes here from oh, Jimmy really? Sankster. He's got a whole chapter, chapter 19, devoted to Fear in the Night. Oh, just to the one film. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So he, he says... He proud of it. Or not. We'll find out. Well, here, here we go. It, he says here, this was a script I'd written almost 10 years earlier under the title Brainstorm. I'd written it for Hammer and been paid, but then for various reasons, they decided not to go ahead with it. It was taken out of the bottom drawer every now and then. The dust was blown off it, and it was hawked around. They even changed the title to The Claw, a reference to the apparent villain's artificial arm, hoping to attract an American investor, but no luck. Um, in the mid-60s, when it was dusted off, that's when old James Carreras, he got Tom Chantrell to do the production artwork, and you see, the, okay. I'll put it on Facebook, the, the, this poster artwork called The Claw, you know. Um, then he says, uh, I was living in America when Michael Carreras reminded me of the claw. He was back at Hammer, now full-time, and very grateful we all were to see him. It wasn't until much later that I discovered he was having serious problems hanging on to the company that his father, Sir James, had tried to sell from right under his nose. In 1969, Michael dug out my old script, read it, then sent it to me to see if I could brighten it up somehow. I reread it and decided the reason they hadn't made it earlier was because it wasn't good enough. And that t- and at that time, I had no ideas for making it better, so I gave it to a writer friend of mine, Michael Sison, to see if maybe he could inject some juice into it. The claw had been set on a houseboat moored near a big house, which I suggested could be Oakley Court. I must have been feeling nostalgic. Michael Sison came up with the idea of transferring the story to a cottage and a nearby boarding school. That was all that was needed. He did a quick rewrite, and I gave it back to Michael Carreras, who decided that at last it was worth making. All right. So that's the um, that's the first quote. Then I'll right. turn the page, and then he says, one of the reasons Michael decided to go ahead with the movie was because he wanted to make a double bill called Women in Terror. <laughs> one of the pictures was called Straight Until Morning, to be directed by Peter Collinson. So let's call the other Fear in the Night. He also asked me to produce and direct it. Why he did that after the last fiasco, I don't know. Maybe he too realised that Lust for a Vampire wasn't entirely my fault. All right. I think he's a bit harsh on himself for that, isn't he? He is. He is. Really? I, I, he was a real nice guy. Yeah. Um, and then, this is a very lengthy quote, and then, and then we'll get into the film. All right. He says... As the female lead, we cast Judy Geeson, who had starred in Ten Rillington Place, and as the heavy, Joan Collins. This was her pre-American soap days, and she hadn't worked for some time. This was just as well, because we'd never have got her for the money we were able to offer. She made a great villainess, very beautiful, and a great performance. Unfortunately, she wasn't an easy lady on the set. That could have been because she was pregnant at the time, a fact she had admitted to mention when we were casting. 
The first time we knew it, we knew about it was when the wardrobe mistress came to me and said that none of the clothes she had bought for Joan a couple of weeks before production fitted her any longer, and please would I tell her to stop eating so much. <laughs> I mentioned it to Joan, who told me she was pregnant, and what the hell was I going to do about it? As with her general behaviour throughout the shooting, she managed to give the impression she was doing us all a big favour being in our picture. I suppose in retrospect she was. The shooting was pretty straightforward. As usual, Ralph Bates and I had great fun, which again, in retrospect, probably wasn't good for the picture. There are directors who deliberately create tension on a set because they feel that by getting people worked up, they will give a better performance. All I know is that on Lust for a Vampire, there was so much tension, I dreaded coming to work every day. If it had produced good performance, it would have been okay, but it didn't. Then on Fear in the Night, which was fun, the performances weren't very good either. But having said that, Fear in the Night was an okay movie. Some people liked it a lot. As it happens, I'm not one of them. But that's not because I think it was a bad script badly shot. I think it's because I became disenchanted with this type of subject. I'm not a great fan of any of the movies I directed. The horror of Frankenstein and Fear in the Night just missed. Lust for a Vampire was a mile off. All I feel would have been better had they directed, been directed by Terry Fisher. The only memorable thing about Fear in the Night was that it was the last movie I made for Hammer. Right. Yeah, he's, he's very hard on himself. He is hard on himself, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he is, because it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's going to ever be sort of thought of as one of the true classics, but it it, it does work. The only thing not, there is yeah. about the Jimmy Sangster, you know, thrillers that he wrote is he had seen Les Diabolique, Right. Yeah. And after that, they were all pretty much the standard thing. You know, you have a woman pretty much alone, being driven mad with a twist at the end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This very much fits into the giallo, doesn't it? The Italian deep red Suspiria type storyline in in that it, it doesn't quite make any sense when you think about it afterwards. But you're swept up along on it, and it looks—it's stylishly really good. And I'd—I'd I'd put it up there with, you know, like Deep Red, um, mm. and, and Argento stuff. Do you think but Hammer yeah, fans it, it, back in the day, you know, in that in that period he was doing them, which was about ten years, do you think he was the M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong of his day, in that people would go in, see the name Jimmy Sangster written it? Oh yeah, let's try and guess the twist. I think so. Because, yeah, he, he does tend to try and put a twist in the end. The twist in this doesn't quite work. Um, like I say, it's, it it does in the context of why you're watching it. But when you think about it afterwards, it's like, oh, hang on, why why yeah. did that happen then? We're going to strip all this no... down as, yeah. as we go through it scene by scene. One more thing before we do get into it. Um, the locations in this. Right. Um, not Black Park. It's not Black Park. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, it, it's a place called Aldenham in Hertfordshire. Right. Uh, the scenes featuring the lake were shot at Aldenham uh, Country Park around the Aldenham Reservoir. And I've got to try and pronounce this now. The the school was Backdive Danta Manor. Backdive Danta Manor. Backdive Danta. What a weird name. That oh, Backdive Latin. Danta Manor. No, no, no. It's it's uh, Nepalese because. Oh right. It's a spiritual sanctuary spread over 78 acres of land, um, and it was donated by George Harrison. Oh, oh, so it's um, 
Uh, it's a it's, Hare Krishna yeah, temple. Yeah, Hare Krishna, yeah. Yeah, it's a Hare Krishna temple. That's why I can't pronounce it. I, I can pronounce Hare yeah. uh, Krishna, but that's it, you know. Um, so, all right, shall we... Um, Shall we crack on? Yeah, let's uh, let, let, let's crack on and, and, and get into this. See what happens in this. Yeah. A young bride packing for her honeymoon. What happens to her now may be all in the mind, a figment of her imagination. Or she may be in very real danger. Either way, there will be madness and murder and fear in the night. Beamish tells me you haven't been very well lately. You had a nervous breakdown. Well, that was about six months ago. These things take a long time to sort out. He was waiting for me, Bob, like he was before. Fetch the doctor. No, God, please. Bob, I was attacked. I was. You don't believe me, do you? I believe you think you were attacked. honeymoon at a quiet school in the country a school without pupils just deserted halls empty rooms and fear in the night sorry if i frightened you forgive me for being personal but you do seem terribly young I mean, almost like a child bride i'm 22 oh I'm sure that Robert needs you as much as we need Robert. Peg? What are you doing out of bed? No. Oh, I couldn't sleep. It must be the champagne. I keep thinking I can see someone. Well, where? Over there, by the window. I can't see a thing. Hello? You could get your head blown off creeping around like that. Good evening, Robert. I've been waiting here to welcome you. I hope that gun isn't loaded. If it went off, it would waken the boys. Why not come down into the hall and talk things over quietly? But I am in the hall. All right, so... Turn my note over. I'm on the wrong page. Um, it's just weird to see Hammer film at the beginning, and it's a school playing field. You know. Yes. This this opening, I I have mixed feelings about this opening. Uh, sort of what? Which it's not a montage, but an opening shot, an opening. Segment. Basically, it's the end yeah. of the film, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's it's one of those films where you you have the bookends, and it's the same shot at the end of the film, and it. But I, I think that might be a mistake because this does set the tone that you know immediately stuff's not right. And I think it would have been stronger. And perhaps if it had been a, an hour-long episode, you wouldn't have this. I think it would have been stronger to just come in without it. You know, you sort of get uh, uh, Judy Jason's what's the character Peggy. You get Peggy. Peggy's story in her. Because you immediately you're thrown with this, especially like because it pans across and it's this really 
sort of disquieting series of shots of this empty school, but you can still hear school kids in the background. That you yeah. know, it's, it's very reminiscent of. I don't know how well it would translate to a US and that, but for British people, this is this is what school sounded like, and it's this empty playground. It's it's almost sort of you know post-apocalyptic. And then it cuts to this shot of a, a person who you, you don't know who it is at this point hanging in a tree. And it's brilliant. It's such a good sequence, but it immediately puts you on the back foot for the rest of the film. Yeah. And I think it might have been better to not have that and to just come in. So you're you're swept along with, you think, the two characters <coughs> rather than you're immediately, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I wonder who this is that dies... <laughs> But uh, it is a lovely, a very nice shot. And what a lovely house it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Now that makes sense if it's uh, George Harrison's yes. yeah. house. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if, if if they just had a standard opening sequence yeah. and then we go in to see Judy as Peggy there with her psychiatrist, yeah, it, it might have been better. I think, I, I think I, it would have done. Yeah, I th- I think you know Jimmy Sangster isn't you know acknowledged enough for you know his talents as a director and a writer because this psychiatrist is a massive red herring. The yeah. fact that you never see his face, you think, oh, he's going to be important. We don't see his face. Yeah. He's he he will be behind it, or he's yeah. going to be important later. Well, and they don't go anywhere with it. No, and it's it's really brilliantly done because while you're watching it, you don't know whether the story you're watching is in flashback from the psychiatrist meeting. The psychiatrist meeting is actually concurrent with the events. The the time you're really thrown in to to be as confused as she is, because you don't know how, how all of these events fit together. And yeah, you're watching it going, okay, so will it turn out that the psychiatrist is involved in it or will it turn out that she's in a police cell or you know what i mean you don't know because she's talking about an attack from before um but yeah it, it 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 is i think it would have been it would have been good to start on this sequence but it's again very good sequence one one thing i don't know whether you know the answer to so it when we're watching that sequence and it's panned across you get all the credits the production manager is chris neem is that christopher neem the actor I saw that, and yeah. it's like no. I, th- I, I, I think there's two Chris Neems. Yeah, I've, I've seen interviews with Christopher Neem, and it's never said anything about that. So, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, doubling down because yeah. he, he was in Hammers when he was in when we did the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's in Dracula AD 1972. Yeah, um, which um, we'll be covering. Yeah, that's true. At some point, um, and it what what's astonishing because I've just been watching The Crown. Um, uh, a later season, and uh, I was watching. It, I thought, Christ, and she, this is she's predicted. Ain't she like Diana in the psychiatrist sequences? You know that that film with Diana where she's being interviewed, and it's so she's yes. so coy and yeah. and and Judy Jason. She not only looks like Diana, she's doing that almost point. I think did Diana watch this? Yeah. Okay, which which performance will I mimic? Will it be Judy Jason or Peter Cushing? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I I do like these psychiatry things. They 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 crop up throughout the film. Um, I I I immediately uh, I immediately wondered her because because she's talking about that she she's uh, just got married, married yeah, a this, week ago. Yeah, a week ago to this slightly older man. For that read, very much older. Um, 
And then she, she it turns out she she's only known him for six weeks in total. What was up with the seventies? Mm. Why are people just getting married on the drop of a hat? Well, or we so find out. We find out this is the dastardly Robert at work, yes, don't we? Yes, Robert. Yeah, it, it uh, spoilers. Um, yeah, it turns out it, it wasn't just a, a you know a, a casual meeting. This is all completely set up uh, from the beginning. Um, but uh, we don't know that at the point, and it, it it is a it works really well as a good thriller. So when you said to me, "Don't read anything about it," I would, if you if you want to watch this and you haven't seen it yet, I don't normally say this, but turn this podcast off. Yeah, go Seek and watch it, out, it. Yeah, watch it because it won't be the same if you know the ending. Yeah, absolutely won't be the same. Um, I've just called up Chris Neem production manager oh right, it's yeah. not christopher neem oh right, okay so it's just this different... is a different guy who was a producer production manager and camera and electrical yeah. department bod okay yeah um so yeah we find out from this talk you know she's been married for a week her husband yeah. robert is a teacher at this private boarding yes. school she hasn't been there yet she hasn't met the head yet nor his wife yeah but she's they're, they're gonna go she's gonna go there and live there uh, with uh, Ralph Bates. Yeah. Um, Who is Mrs. Beamish? Um, this because we cut to her apartment, and you got Mrs. Yeah. Beamish. Is she a maid? Is she? Uh... Well, <laughs> this well, is because um, this film is full of red herrings, isn't it? Mm. Uh, it's full of misdirection. And I thought because we we get this sequence where um, Peggy is attacked by a one-armed man. Remember that for later. Um, and then she wakes up, and Mrs. Beamish comes in with a doctor. Or, you know, and but Mrs. Beamish is acting so suspiciously, isn't she? It's, it's, Was she a red herring for you? Yeah, I I thought, oh, she's going to be in on this because she before the attack and after the attack, it's like, is she the one attack? There's something dodgy. I mean, it could be she might be working with Robert. We don't know. Robert might have paid her a few quid to let him in. At this point, you know, just before she's attacked yeah. and she's talking to Mrs. Beamish, after Mrs. Yeah. Beamish goes away, you know, Robert calls. And you see him, and he's down at the school, and you hear the kids in the background, and yes. he says they're yeah. having an end-of-term meal. There's 150 of them there. Alarm bells weren't ringing for you about Not Ralph Bates that. at this point? No, I, well, other than the fact Ralph Bates always is inherently creepy... Even in, Even in Dear John, John. <laughs> creepy. Um, and I was thinking, I immediately thought, there's something not quite right with this guy. But r- to be fair to Ralph Bates, he pulls it off that you don't at any point, when when you get to know him, you don't at any point think he's being disingenuous or anything like that because you, f- you just think he's probably just a bit of an idiot for going along with all this. But yeah, at the beginning, I didn't. And I didn't, I didn't twig at all that there's anything up with the school. Right. Because you hear it in the background, and he's talking, and yeah, I just went. I was more interested in in, in Mrs. Beamish. I thought, oh, what's happening? So yeah, the misdirection worked, or certainly for me, worked really well. At this point, it does. Yeah, yeah. at this point, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because she's attacked, isn't she? Somebody, she is, you see yeah. this gloved hand open up her bathroom window. Yeah. Don't leave your bathroom windows open. Who has a window well, right by their bath on the uh, ground think, floor? Anybody could walk past. I know, I know. Especially if Judy Jason's in there. Yeah, I would be walking past, um, just on the off chance. Weirdly, I I do remember the first house, or the house on, on the left. 
yeah, first house on the left. Uh, yeah, it's much nicer than the last house on the left. Yeah. Um, the bathroom there did have a window that was by the bath. It was second floor. It wasn't ground floor, but it did have the window open. And I, I used to think at the time because my mum and dad were always sort of. Um, don't fall out of it. <laughs> that, that was all you needed in the 70s, wasn't it? Just don't fall out of it. Um, but I always thought, that's dangerous. Because I used to chuck my action man out of it while I was in the bath. Because I used to have a bath with an action man. As we all did. As, yeah. was, the, as was the way. Um, and so I'd, I'd, it'd get very wet and soapy. And then he <laughs> uh, would go out the window. Right. You know. He was... I'd, I'd, I'd just... Uh, it sounds strange, that doesn't it? But he was a red devil, so it was all right. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yeah, she she's grabbed from behind. Yes. There's this struggle, and she pulls the man's left arm off. Yeah. Right. At, I mean, when she wakes up, and you've got Mrs. Beamish there, and the doctor. The doctor always throws me because I know him from yeah. so many sitcoms, and here he is in a Hammer thriller. Yeah. Um. Um. Don't 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 you think? Well, what did he do then? Because she just passes out, and then when she wakes up, there's no sign of him or his arm. The place hasn't been robbed. Yeah, Did you I, wonder, well, what, what, what was the well, point of that attack? And here's where the misdirection comes in. I honestly thought all of this one-armed man stuff, the attack, until we see Peter Cushion later on, I, th- I thought, oh, she's imagining this. So it is it's trauma. And then I was thinking, okay, so is is this a retelling in the in the office of the the psychiatrist and or is I couldn't work out the time scale, but I thought she was imagining this attack. But then Mrs. Beamish and the doctor act well the doctor not so much so, but Mrs. Beamish acts so weirdly. Yeah. You know. She tells the doctor she had a nervous breakdown yeah. six months ago. And, and I, I was thinking, oh is this unconnected because I didn't know the plot at all. So I thought I didn't know what happens when she gets to school. And I was thinking, oh, is this a separate thing? So it will turn out that Mrs. Beamish was trying to drive her mad or something. Then she goes to the school and there's another adventure sort of thing and it ties in. But no, the, yeah, because what if, if – because we know later on we know this is Robert doing it and it's to set up that she's suspicious of, of a man with a wooden hand. This is a very elaborate plan that yeah. Robert's come up with. But if you think of it that, okay, it's not, it's someone's attacked her. Yeah, why? Yeah. So you break into Judy Jason's bathroom, grab her, knock her unconscious, tidy up a bit. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what he's done. But, but you know, you can, you can excuse that because she's mentally delicate, yes. isn't she? She's Very still delicate, recovering from yes. a nervous breakdown. If she hadn't <laughs> had that breakdown, she would question, well, why... Why didn't he do anything? Yeah. You know, uh, what was the point of that? Later on, when she's attacked a second time, she doesn't turn around and go, "How did he work out where we were?" Yeah. How did yeah, he find that's, me and that's again? why I thought she was imagining all this because I when I thought later on when she's talking to um, to Robert, and that, I thought, oh, "Okay, Robert knows that she's imagining all this, and he's humouring her, but he doesn't want to say he's his new wife. He doesn't want to say you're mental, dear. You know, you're you're as mad as a bicycle." Um, and I thought this was all in her head and that nothing had happened. And we would gently tease out what was the event that caused her yeah. to start hallucinating all this stuff. I think that's why immediately afterwards she's back with her psychiatrist. Yes. Because it's reinforcing this thing that, yeah, it could be all in her head. Yeah. And, and what's really good about this is, I mean, uh, Judy puts in a great performance. She really does 
you know, uh, portray someone that that is mentally fragile. Um, a re- really good performances. And I thought this this is sort of a genre that Hammer really could have grabbed hold of. But I'm presuming they just didn't make as much money as Monsters. No, no. I don't watch this film very often, and therefore I forget lots of things. And one of the things I forget, and it comes hammering, if you forgive the oh, yeah. pun, ha- hammering down on me when I see it, is that Granada used to have oh, motorway services, service stations. Yeah. Because what I, I started... Yeah, I mean, I started in 81 as a projectionist for Granada cinemas and there were only yeah. five left in the country left and the bingo halls and the service stations and I always forget that red Granada sign right yeah. that you see on the side of it the cinema I was in um, we had a projectionist roof you climbed out through a, a, a like, like a hatch in the wall and you climbed out and you were on the projectionist roof and when you stood up you were in inches of a red neon sign, you know, high voltage red neon sign. <laughs> one of those ones. Really? Yeah. One. But yeah, I, I remember Granada services. And it's really weird. Anyone that that's familiar with services now, motorway services, um, they have changed remarkably from when we were kids. Oh, they were grotty the, places. They were and don't, grim, and, grotty, horrible. And doesn't this yeah. one look it? Oh, you know? it's amazing. It's... It, yeah, they people didn't want to stop there. You stopped there to have a piss, and that was it. Because there was no at best, they might have a greasy spoon. Yeah, but there was no. You didn't get McDonald's or KFC or anything like no that. No Greggs. In them. No Greggs. No W H Smiths in it. They were just ratty, rat infested, yeah. disgusting places. Um, where more than likely you probably would be attacked anyway. They yep. were just horrible. I can smell. Uh, yeah. I can smell them yeah. now. I can smell Pissed, the gravy. Yeah. They stank of gravy for some reason. Yeah, it's just horrible, horrible places. And as soon as you see this, it brings back so many memories. And also looking at the car park, it's like ah, oh, the shitty cars. We oh, had. They were, it was a grotty place with grotty cars. I've yeah. written down. <laughs> oh, just I've put in it so dreary. Oh, um, it, it, yeah. Yeah, uh, interesting though, because because they're going to um, they're going to the school, and I love it when they get to the school. And this must be the only instance ever where Hammer have tried to downplay the the building they've got. Because he she goes, this this is this is such a, a an impressive building. He goes, oh, it's modern. It's stockbroker Tudor. Yeah, it was only built fake. 60 years ago, yeah. But it's not. It's obviously not. No. But it's like, what? It's almost as if they, they'd written the script to a, to be in this run-down modern school, you know, uh, with, with um, like, the schools we had in the 70s where you had um, uh, outdoor sheds, basically, that there were classrooms. And it's obviously much, much higher quality than they wanted. But it's just so hilarious where he's going... See, see all this lavishness. It's not real. It's not real. What is the point of that line? It, I don't know. Just no leave purpose. it. Yeah. You know? Just leave it. That when she says this, he goes, yeah, it's run down now, but it was an amazing school in its day sort of thing. You don't, yeah, it serves no purpose whatsoever. I don't know why they threw it in other than to highlight the fact that, no, it's not. This is an actual lovely Tudor building. Ah, do you think it, it's because, you know, he shortly says that the headmaster owns the school. So therefore, if oh, it, it was a, a, a really old established school, one yeah. person wouldn't own it. The local authorities would possibly. Own it, or, I do love I the know. line where uh, 
where he goes, yeah, um, the headmaster owns it. He's had so many offers. He was offered a quarter million. Quarter of a million. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, dear. Yeah, our our house is worth more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Is yours Um, Mock mock Tudor? No, it's Mock 50s. Well, no, it is 50s. Um, So, I mean, that night, she says she thinks she sees someone in the school because their cottage overlooks the school. Um, Yeah, I uh, love, just got to say, the decor on this cottage. We go inside and it's classic sitcom uh, stairs up the wall, yeah. set in front of the stairs, and on the wall, horse brasses. Do of you course. remember horse brasses? Yeah, of course. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, next day, Robert keeps going off. We yes. find out later that's that, that there's a reason for all this. And she explores the school. She goes in the dining room. There's there, there's a a plate there. She's very with food nosy, on it. isn't she? Yeah, very yeah. nosy. She hears student voices as she as she's going along, yeah. and she 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 reaches a classroom goes in there and the voices stop right yes turns around and then there's peter peter cushion um amazing such a presence immediately you're thinking oh this guy's eerie and what he does such a good physical i mean always was good but he did such a good physical acting where they don't highlight that he hasn't got a he's got one arm missing but his acting in this you're immediately drawn to it. You never see his left arm. No, no. It's always no, under his headmaster's cloak, isn't it? And um, I got so many Wicker Man vibes mm. from this sequence. Looking around the empty school, he appears. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. It, it, uh, and then we find out he's a knot enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm, okay. Do you like knots? Yeah, um, do you like knots? And then we get... Um, we get what I think is uh, an amazing sequence, and it's so uncomfortable to watch, which is where he just becomes super creepy. And we're not used to Peter Cushion being creepy. No. Now, now obviously, yeah. this is a massive red herring, isn't it? The way yeah, Peter's 100%. playing it, all quiet and whispery. Yeah. And, and yeah, he asks her, do you like knots? Yeah. And, again, Jimmy Sangster had an eye, and that is when he's talking about knots to her, when, you know, the shot is of yep. Peter with Judy Juice and the back of her head, right next to her head is the knot that's a noose. Yeah, a hangman. Her head knot. is practically in the noose, you yeah. know. That's a, a very well done one. shot. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wary of, um, I understand, like, you know, you might might be into knots and you might teach kids, you know, a, a short sheep shank and stuff like that. But I'd, I'd be wary of a school that taught kids how to do a hangman noose. Yeah. What are yeah, they going to use? That wouldn't that be allowed for? on the wall in my school. No, no, way. no you you couldn't. I mean, there, there, there's certain things like if you've got YouTube, you can't monetize something that shows a hangman's noose and things like that. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's wonderfully done. And then he um, <coughs> he does this sequence where it's so uncomfortable, where he says, "You've got really pretty hair, untie it, untie it," <laughs> and and she goes along with it. Um, but it's just amazing. It, this is really difficult to watch, and it's almost—he, it's almost like he's physically attacked her. But he's just taken a ribbon out, and her hair gets caught in the ribbon. Yeah. But it's just brilliantly, brilliantly acted, brilliantly staged, brilliantly done. Really good sequence. I like the way when he says, "You should put your hair down." He has a twitch to his face. Yeah. He, he has a, a visible twitch to his face. Um, and I also like the fact that, you know, when he's trying to, you know, get that knot out of the, uh, out of it, um, 
we learn, but she hasn't learned, that there's something up with his left hand. He actually has yeah. to turn it. He has got an artificial left hand. So we are in on the fact that this... Great noise as well. Yeah. 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 Um, we are in on this yeah. now, aren't we? Yeah, you she know? doesn't know. And so we're, we're now, as an audience, trying to piece together, was he the one that attacked her? What's the connection? If mm. it was imaginary, what the hell was going on? Um, my guess at this point, I wrote in my notes... Is he replacing a dead daughter? That was my guess. Ah, uh, right. Because right. he's sort of mm, he's he's being a bit creepy to her. But if 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 she was his daughter, this scene would be so different. But the yeah. fact that it's not his daughter and he's not related to her, it is weird. It's such a strange one. But again, that that wonderful uh, British weirdness, isn't it? Where everyone's terribly polite. Yeah, but underlying, ooh, I'd be yeah. out of there. There's real negative. menace. Yeah. I like also the way that he doesn't answer her question about recordings of the boys. She says, "Oh, do you have recordings of the boys to keep you in yeah. practice?" And he doesn't answer it. So we still don't know whether this no. is all in her head or not. Because that sounds when she says that, I thought this is showing that she's mad again. Because that's such a weird thing to ask. Yeah, she says, "Did you record the children?" so that you could review your classes. And he sort of looks at her weird. And as an audience, I, I was thinking, that's a strange thing to ask. Yeah. Is this, is she still, you know, is it all in her head? Did she imagine all of this? Mm. Um, but she she goes outside and she, she's exploring the grounds. And then we get a um, a terrible, uh, she sits, sees a little rabbit. Oh no 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 no! You jump too far ahead. Yeah, that that meeting with Michael, the headmaster, is is cut short. She hears a car arriving. Right. Oh. She thinks, and she thinks Robert's back. She goes to the cottage. She hears something in the cottage, and she's attacked again. That's true. Yes. Yeah. By a fake left-armed man. Yes. And again, yeah, you're right. I've, I've jumped a page in my notes. Yeah. And I again, I was thinking, is she dreaming this? This cannot be real. Because but, straight yeah. afterwards, she's back to a psychiatrist again, just yes, like the true, first yeah. one, you know? But then is, is, are these psychiatrist bits done right after the end? I still don't know. No. I still don't know. Oh. But yeah, very, very, very good sequence. Yeah, she's attacked again. I thought of you. Man. I thought of you when they were out in the grounds and, yep. you know, Robert's got to go and check a fence that's broken that uh, Land Rovers should have a gun rack yeah. on the back, I love <laughs> the, that. Yeah. back of the back of the seats. Yeah, them were the days, weren't they? Oh, blimey. <laughs> it, it, it was probably a uh, uh, an aftermarket thing that uh, Land Rover sold. Yeah. You know, do you want your gun rack? <laughs> yep, could be. Cigarette lighter and a gun rack. That's the, uh, the upgrade package. Uh, yeah, she's, they sort of make mention of quite, quite heavily handed compared to it about the gun don't they that yeah here's a, a gun, gun. Oh, and this is gun. why the psychiatrist you know i mean it it, it it's it's very heavy-handed oh there's a gun here yeah this is michael's gun it's yep. a gun you know and we keep seeing this psychiatrist but never see his face that's why you, you I, first time i saw this it's like the psychiatrist is behind this or yeah there's something going on yeah i was i i was thinking because we've seen so many um like tells her the unexpected that I was thinking okay are they trying to do her out of something and trying to make her think she's mad and is the psychiatrist in on it or 
I mean, it's not quite as complicated as that, but... No. So, yeah, we have the rabbit scene. This She sees a baby rabbit, which yeah. is then shot, but suddenly it's grown into an adult when yeah. Joan Collins picks it up. An adult covered in strawberry jam. It's not convincing, is it? Not convincing, yeah. And it's uh, Joan Collins. Yep. As yeah. Which is still... Even though Joan Collins is... I don't think she's ever been an A-list actor. I mean, she's... In her early days, I think she was a good actor. Mm. But I don't think she was ever an A-list actor. But what is weird is, whenever you see her in a film like this, or you see her in a TV program, it is a, you sort of go, oh, she's slumming it. What's going on? Yeah. But why? We... Because she's never been in anything It was just the dynasty good. and the yeah. Colbys when she became a superstar, and she was hamming herself up. It's like Diana Dawes. You, you see Diana so, Dawes yeah. in the 50s. She's a bloody good actor. But then she's just like on, you know, Celebrity Squares and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, she became a... a, a personality and i think joan collins did as well yeah yeah um because she's very excellent in star trek she's good in this um but yeah I, she was good I in always, space 1999 wasn't yeah she? it's true yeah but i always think she's um it's like how how can they get her how could she do this and then you think but why what yeah and it's purely that dynasty thing you're right yeah yeah, or when for they, American what, listers, die nasty, die nasty. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They become personalities. That's a good way of putting it. They just became the name, yeah. didn't they? Rather they did, than yeah. an actor. Yeah, I think Celebrity Squares ruined a lot of good actors, didn't it? Because it was like, hang on, I'm getting 150 quid for this shit. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Robert has to go off again on, yeah, on Michael's bidding. He this says is weird anyway. as well, isn't it? And I. I still hadn't twigged that Robert was dodgy at this point. And I was Even thinking, though his oh. wife has been attacked twice, and all he says is, well, just keep the well, gun with you. I, that's why I thought he knows she's imagining it. Ah. So he's, he's sort of... That's why he's totally unconcerned that she's been attacked. Because if, it was, if, if you, even for a second, imagined that she had actually been attacked... Yeah, you wouldn't go. I got to go to London. Yeah, I can't get out of it. You would, and so everything screamed that. Okay, he knows that that uh, she's imagining this. So he's totally. It's almost like as if she kept a fit of sneezing, mm. and she's going, "Well, I'm. You got to stay behind tonight because I, I get a fit of sneezing again." He's going, "Well, just have a hanky." I don't know why. If he thinks that, I don't know why he gives her a gut. That seems asking for trouble. Yeah. You know, um, you know, imagine him being attacked. Have a gun. Yeah. Um, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. I do like this um, This sort of sequence where, because he says uh, that uh, Michael has told him he's got to go to London. Hmm. So he's going to not, he's going to try and not stay overnight. And she says, please, please, please don't. Don't stay overnight. Please stay with me. And he's like, well, I'll do everything I can not to. And at this point, this is when I start to think, well, hang on. what's wrong? Because there's such an obvious answer. Take her with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got a nice night in a hotel. You know, a nice little night out, little meal. But at no point. It, and then I thought, oh, hang on. He, he wants her to be here alone. Yeah. And that this is the point where I started to think, oh, little who the hell is on started this? going yeah. on. Is Ralph Bates creepy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, sh- that night she hears a noise. Yep. Um, we see the black glove turn a light on, and it's Michael. There he yeah, is. There and he is. Who she shoots. 
And old Peter Cushing does that full well. He, he, yes, yeah. very well done. Yeah. Um, remember these sequences for later on. Yeah. Um, because they they won't make a lot of sense. But yeah, she she's shot. She thinks it's Michael, the one-armed man, and um, yeah, shoots him. Now, I, sorry, I was going to say in my notes at this point, uh, I did put. Were they blanks? Ah, uh, you had thought that maybe. Yeah, because I thought if it is, because at that point I didn't know it wasn't Michael doing it, but I thought if it is Michael doing it, a that's great. Peter Cushion, especially with the sequence we get later, Peter Cushion was the first of the Michael Myers type character. Yeah. You know, brilliant. That's such a good thing it could have been going after the final girl. But B, if it is him. I was looking at my watch going, well, we've still got like 45 minutes. He cannot be killed. Unless the story goes into, oh God, I've killed the headmaster and she hides the body and it went more psychological than murder and that. But but yeah, at that point I thought, no, he can't be dead. It's got to be blanks. No, I mean... And that, I mean... that fed into, um, oh, Robert, that's why he gave her the gun. He knew it was blanks. Oh, so they're all starting yeah. to uh, all click starts, into place. Yeah. Because they must be blanks, because we've got this sequence now where she runs off through the school, she's yep. turning the lights on, and she doesn't realise it, but when she's turning the lights on, she's also turning the recordings of the schoolboys. Yes. And, yeah. and so, Michael is like the Terminator. He's always there in the background, he is, isn't he? He's Michael Myers, or the Terminator, or the T-1000. He's following it, and it's so well done. It's so creepy. But I have to point out, and it could be in character... Uh, that Peggy's gun discipline is terrible. <laughs> the way she throws that shotgun. At one point, she's got the shotgun under barrel under her chin as she's sort of knocking it on the floor. Yeah, it falls on the floor oh, while she locks yeah. herself in, doesn't she? Yeah, and she picks up the barrel. And it's like, oh! <laughs> this is stretching it a bit, right? I mean, when yes. you know what the this, plot is yep, and everything, yep, yep. it's stretching it that Michael, right, doesn't try talking yep. to her. This entire film could have been solved if Michael went, why did you shoot me, dear? I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, but he doesn't. He walks towards her in the most menacing fashion possible. uh, And it doesn't quite fit. It's purely for the audience. Yeah. And she shoots him again, doesn't she? She shoots him again. You could have got away with it by having two points of view. So she's seeing him come in, Terminator-like, you know, striding towards her, not saying anything. And then his his thing, where he is actually talking to her and she's glassy-eyed yeah. with a gun pointed. You could have done that. But yeah, he, he shoots her, uh, she shoots him again. Um, and bear in mind, at this point, we don't really know they're blanks. Why do the blanks shoot his glasses at? No, no, I think his glasses, yeah, that just fall off as he falls down. And they're they very, smash. very broken. That's um, brilliant. That's a brilliant look. Oh, it's such a good shot. It makes no sense, but it's such a good shot. Yeah, really. And I've seen that on a lot of the posters. Yeah. The only thing I can yeah. think about about why Michael is behaving like this is we later find out that Michael knows what Robert and Molly are up to, and therefore he wants to disappear. He wants them to think that Peggy has killed him. Um, in which case, he's a bit of a bastard as well, putting Piggy through all this. Yeah, that's that's gittish. Oh, that's interesting. I never, I never thought of that. So, do you think he was the one that put blanks in? Yes. Right. Okay. That makes more sense then. That yeah, would explain but... why he's doing that. He's taunting her into shooting him with the blank firer. 
so that he can then so that um uh, uh robert and uh joan collins think he's dead oh, okay that i take back what i said about that sequence then that does that does make sense yeah because i never thought of that when robert comes back the next day yeah right he sees you know the <coughs> smash door that michael had done he sees blood on the floor in his mind job done you know yeah. uh, success me and molly we've done yeah. it you know uh michael's out the way we've just got to find the body just, yeah and, and get, get a confession her, out yeah. of peggy yeah. and that's why um but peggy's now catatonic isn't she she's yes. almost a zombie she's in shock and he's like but you fired the gun why did you fire the gun she goes oh i was just practicing down by the boathouse so he goes down there and he starts like poking around in the water doesn't he because he needs to find the body now and we don't know either no that she hasn't hidden michael's body and again you're, you're guessing all the way through as to what's actually happening works on so many levels yeah and yeah, I, I wish like... I'd have thought of that, what you said, though. Yeah. While I was watching it. Good. Because Good Michael call, is somewhere, yeah. and he's perfectly fine, isn't yeah, he? He's, he's hiding somewhere. Well, uh, perfectly fine is pushing it. Well, but, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, Psychologically, that... I think he's knackered. But... Yeah, because in yeah. the next bit, that's when Robert tells Peggy that it, it hasn't been a school since 63. 63, yeah. There was a fire there. Michael tried putting it out. He tried throwing a fire bucket. That dates this film, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, throwing a fire bucket. It had, for some reasonable uh, reason, flammable liquid stored yeah. in it, which made the fire worse, which I, killed some boys. I often get my bucket of kerosene mixed up with my bucket of sand. <laughs> Do you know, he, did you still have that at your school? Do you have buckets of sand? It, only in one of the chemistry rooms. Yeah. Just in one of the chemistry rooms. Going back to the Granada. The sixth um, form was used to use it as ashtrays. It, exactly. Going back to the Granada cinema that I started in 81. Even at 81, in the back of the auditoriums, the big auditoriums, you still had red fire buckets full yeah. of sand. And it was all full of cigarette ends. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. terrible. Um, That's probably you, what was flammable. Yeah. The dog ends. All the dog ends. Do you think when, when he says, you know, that Michael was badly hurt, is that when he lost his arm? Or I think his hand. So, yeah. I know? reckon so, yeah. Because we never know if, if Michael's got a, 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 a false whole arm. We know his hand's gone. Well, we saw it when, when the arm comes off at the beginning, but we don't know at this point that wasn't Michael. Well, no, no. we find out that the, the first attack on Peggy was Molly. The second yeah. attack was Robert. Yeah. You know? But, but yeah, so I'm, I'm presuming he has got a complete arm missing. But did that um, happen as a result of the fire back in 63? I mean, otherwise, he's very unlucky, isn't he? That yeah, yeah. Another incident. And that's when Robert yeah. met him. Robert was yeah. a medical student um, who, who was yeah, given the job the of looking after Michael and yeah. afterwards got the job of being his carer. Yeah, this is a, this is where you, you really know that something's up with um, Robert, isn't it? Because this story is mad. Yeah, he, he says he was a, a medical student and... Uh, he he pr- he pretended to be a teacher and went along with it all uh, to to you know for his for uh, for Michael's benefit. It's like what what doctor's going to do that? That's mad. Also yeah. mad that Michael still runs the school as if it's still open and plays the recordings yeah. of uh, you, you, you know so he can imagine it's still open. It's quite sad, actually. You see him teaching a lesson. You see him sitting there having his yeah. food all by himself with the sound of all the boys around him. It's really it's heartbreaking. And Robert's playing yeah. the game with him, isn't he? Um, which, again, is not something any doctor would ever 
prescribed to do, is it? So you know that he's he's dodgy at this point. Yeah. I like this script that, you know, we're about, I don't know, half an hour from the end, but immediately we cut to Molly and Robert, and and, and it's not like in the last 10 seconds we find out what the twist is. No, no. Here's the twist. Molly and Robert have teamed up. The whole plan is to get Peggy to kill Michael. Yeah, Joan Collins is great in this bit, because you you really do think, oh, she's the power behind this. She's pushing Robert to do it. Yeah, she's the the brains, which is a worry. Uh, but yeah, it's all it's all been set up. Um, they they want to get rid of Michael and inherit his money. Uh, this is where I start to think, okay, in you wouldn't do this in real life. This is such a complicated plan. All they got to do is push him down a flight of stairs. Mm. I mean, there's no one else at the school. He's presumably been a recluse. Psychologically, they know he's not right. Yeah, just push him downstairs or. Yeah. Do so, yeah, but to because <clears throat> yeah, it it required Robert to to find someone that was psychologically fragile, that was young enough that wanted to get married, <laughs> that would fall for his charm and get married within four weeks. Get married within four weeks. That would then agree to go and work at a school, and then when she hits the school be okay with the fact that there's no kids there and he was making it all up and go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a very, very convoluted plan that has so many points of failure. Yeah, I, th- this is the point where it's like, okay, this is a film and this is isn't now, Yeah, it is yeah. now stretching it um, because yeah. they keep saying, we need to find the body and basically, where's the body and... If you don't comply with what we're going to do, we're going to kill you and we're going to yep. fake a suicide note um, saying that you did kill him. Yeah. I like that line of, of Molly's where she says, because, you know, Robert keeps saying, don't mark her. She mustn't have any wounds on her. And she says, I'm going to find something that will mark her a little, but hurt her a lot. Yes. That, that's a good line. Yeah, it's a good line. And Joan Collins is really, uh, I mean, she she had perfected playing the bitch, hadn't she? Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's she's great in this. You got no sympathy whatsoever for her. Yeah. So bells start ringing after Molly yep. goes off. Bells start ringing, and Robert goes off with Peggy and the shotgun. Now, of course, he's going to need the shotgun. There's no reason for him to have the shotgun because he thinks Michael's dead. Yeah, it, we need it for the plot to progress. Yes, but yeah, there's no real reason unless he he thought she was going to attack him or something but it seems but like then michael thing. starts talking and it's not yeah. a recording he's nearby enough that he yeah. can hear robert's answers and uh, yeah michael is alive yeah and he uh, robert thinks that michael is hiding i don't know how under one of the covered bits of furniture because all the furniture's covered in uh, dust cloths yeah um and he thinks he's hiding under so he's going round pulling the cloth oh he's not in the wardrobe and um he eventually realizes that probably there's movement from this one chair. Yeah. Um, and there's a cable going up to yeah, it. And it's like, ah, I've got thinks, you. <laughs> so he, he shoots, um, but it turns out it's uh, Joan Collins. Yeah. So she was alive yeah. at she that was alive moment. At that point. Her mouth is yeah. just taped up. You would yeah. think she would jump up and down a bit or something yeah, like that. Yeah, do something. Yeah. I love the fact that when he starts, he gets angry, he starts smashing the place up. Yeah. Um, he smashes the windows, but we don't see that because they can't afford can't to afford smash to the windows. It, so he hits the. So you don't uh, want an angry curtain. beetle on your back, do you? No, exactly. And there's ADR, um, you yeah. know, crashing windows. 
Yeah, not quite convincing, but <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Now, I don't know how long Peter Cushing uh, was on this film, but I think they've done a bit of a William Hartnell here. In yes. that, um All this, you, you never see Michael talking into a microphone. And when Robert and Peggy go outside and he's got the noose and he's going to hang her from the tree, yeah. you see a hand yeah. grab him. I, I think, I mean, <laughs> if you look at all the shots, because this is always advertised as a Peter Cushing film, and it's not. It's, it's a, a juicy, he's fourth on the bill as well, yeah. isn't he? You know? Yeah, he. I reckon all of his stuff was possibly two days shooting at most. Because you think about it, you've got you got a few, a couple of shots of him with Judy Geeson looking around school. That's not going to take much. You've got him in the school again with Judy Geeson following her when he gets shot. That could have been done on the same day. Uh, and then you've got all the voiceover stuff. So yeah, I think he he wasn't there at this point. Like two or three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Robert's grabbed, knocked out, whatever, yeah. and the police arrive the next day, and and Peggy's walking down the drive. Um, it seems the police say that Michael called them to say yeah. that there had been trouble there. Did you recognise the policeman who talks to Peggy? Um, I did straight away. It didn't ring a bell. He's from Blake Seven. Is it? Who was it? He's from Star One. He's Durkin. Serverland's oh, guy, the guy who's uh, given the task of trying yeah. to find out where Star One is, who, um, you know, had a thing with a Lorena back in the day. Oh, right. No, I um, I didn't didn't twig that. Yeah. Did you... What happens at the end? Is is Peggy insane? Yeah, I think so. Because um, I was... I think the ending is... I won't say weak, but there's no sort of wrap-up. Because, yeah, the, the police turn up. She They say Michael called and he she says oh he's, he's in with the the boys yeah and the policemen go well, there it's are no boys here and then you start hearing the sounds which presumably the recordings going again and she goes she just wanders off yeah so, so okay i don't know what what happens the next do the police knock on the door and michael's there <laughs> and he's like everything's all right and then they go away again in which case yeah. why did michael call them to say there's been some trouble yeah i what you needed was, and probably if Peter Cushion wasn't there, you couldn't do it. You needed another scene with Michael. You know, yeah. the police go in, open the door, and he's teaching a class of no one. Yeah. And it's obvious that he's gone mad. And, then, you know, you get a final shot of the policemen looking at each other. Because if they just go away, yeah, they will never find Robert's yeah. body. Because no. it, if it ends as it starts, we see it's Robert you know, hanging from the yeah. tree. Uh, in which case, Robert will just rot away, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what what, what the uh, final thing would be on that. Would anyone notice? Because it feels like no one's noticed anything for the last 20 years at this place. No, no. So, yeah. All right, well... And that's it. Yeah, look, it finishes. And that's the end. Yeah, yeah. I have my film, and that's the end. Um, we can't really talk... Uh, I mean, our... our, our our adversary today, our um, you know, our, our horror in Hammer Horror is Robert, Robert yeah. Heller, who's Ralph Bates. We've already talked about Ralph Bates because we've already featured Ralph Bates as yeah. as a Hammer Horror. I suppose He's we could Giles do Giles uh, Barton. We could do Joan Collins. We could do ooh, <laughs> yeah. There's a thought. Were, uh... If we do Joan Collins, all right, we will. Yeah. But but I've got no information on Joan Collins, so I don't know if she is this her only Hammer appearance. 
Did she appear? She wouldn't have appeared on any of the TV shows, would she? Because she would have gone to America by then. Yeah, she would have been. She would have gone to America. Yeah, I don't think she would have. I can't. Can't remember it. If anyone knows, let us know. Um, Perhaps we shouldn't do Joan Collins then. We haven't really prepared for her. All right, let's just stick with with um, old Robert then, old Bob. Um, so we've got. It, it's odd when we're going to be doing thrillers, um, yeah, contemporary thrillers. People. Yeah, it's, uh, the design of Robert. <laughs> um, I d- yeah, I don't know what we do with design because it's just uh, his regular nineteen seventy one clothes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think all we can do is is do do we do a zero because there's no design, or do we just do a five? As in, no, I've I've little. gotten down as a five. Five for okay. design. Five's fine then. Yeah. All right. But then effectiveness is better. Now we can do yeah. something. Well, effectiveness it covers everything, doesn't it? How effective is he as a villain? Is he scary? Is he... I mean, because this is a weird film, because all the scary bits are Peter Cushion. Yeah. Um, but it's a massive misdirection. Robert. Yeah, it's a huge misdirection. Um, but as far as as far as it goes, uh, Robert fooled me. So, so he could, was effective. Yeah. So I think he was very effective doing his little double bluff. Um he comes across as just mad enough to do it without going into comical territory. Um, so I, I think he works very well. I, I'm going to give him a seven, I think, for effectiveness. All right, I'll join you in that seven. Yeah. All right. So that's a average of a six then. Yeah, so I think it's fair. Yeah. It's going so... to be very difficult doing this for the human, you know, the non, the contemporary human stuff, because, yeah, it, they are what they are. Yeah, so that's a six. We'll put him in a caravan. Oh, he, yep, he's sharing a, camazat, a caravan. We've done enough of these now. We're starting to get, you know, people sharing. Um, he's in a caravan with Mehmet Bay from the oh, moment. Right. Oh, okay. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know if he's relationship with that anything, but Yeah, it's not... They, they, they can compare plans, can't they, really? It's going to be interesting to see who will be the next person in that caravan. Yes. Yeah. And uh, will he team up against Mehmet Bay and cook up some implausible we, ploy to get rid of him. We might find a lot of the human protagonists end up in a similar caravan, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, so, uh, on our timeline thing, this is... Um, I, I thought we would just... It's contemporary, contemporary of its time. Yeah. So, it, it was released in 72. So, let's say that's 72. So, that's the most up-to-date um, film so far. Or oh, right, yeah. Location. Yeah, we've not done any anything else like this the nearest is the 1950s london for the quake mass experiment all right so um at the moment we have seven films on our top 10 okay so where would you like to put it Uh, i'd definitely go on to the top 10 what 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 have we got at seven you've got the stranglers of bombay is it better than stranglers is it better than the hound of the baskervilles Ooh. no i'm gonna leave it there yeah yeah, so that becomes your new number seven. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it more. Eight. I enjoyed it much more than Stranglers. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah I, it's not. I differed not from you. I, I, I put it above Hound of the Baskerville, oh, really? so that's my number six. All right. So we're starting so you, to you diverge this now. To, uh, Shirley Holmes. Shirley Holmes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Judy Jason, isn't it? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm so, heavily and, swayed. And she is. I mean. I don't know how old she was. Early 20s, well, she says she's twenty-two in the right. film, but Which back I, then everybody looked older than they actually were. So I don't know did, if that's yeah. true or not. I don't know, but she is incredibly good in it. Um, no, she's excellent. Yeah, she's really good. I remember her in a, a few, 
a few sort of uh, war films, things like that. Well, Ten Rillington Place. Oh, there I we say. go. Yeah, yeah. We're um, going to talk about her. She's a guest star in uh, in in one of the Space 1999s, isn't she? Yes, that's true. Yeah. When she's a haunted character, I seem to remember. Yeah. And of course, oh, and yeah. it's it, 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 it's a box set you've got to buy because we've got to do it at some point uh, for Patreon or whatever. Uh, star Maidens. Oh yes, she's yeah. in practically every episode Is of she? that. Oh, right. I didn't know she was in that. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, she's and to be fair, I mean, because if you take away the the one-line characters, like the the policeman, what is there? Two policemen, Mrs. Beamish, the doctor, the weird doctor, and the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist never see, <laughs> never see, and they're they're literally like one-liners. Take them out, and this is literally a a four-hander, isn't it? There's yeah. only four cast members in the entire film, uh, and at no point is it anything less than thrilling and yeah. In engaging, so yeah, the the cast is great. So you're glad you went into CEX that day and you got that. Um, I really am, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm very happy to add it to my hammers because I, and I, it might be a learning curve for me as well because I I never really was into the contemporary hammer thrillers. Um, no, up. I no, wanted no. monsters. Exactly. Yeah. When I was a teenager, if it's a hammer film, I want to see a monster. Yeah, yeah. You want to see someone with latex on their face, you know. But saying that, those even though it's a total misdirection and it 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 ruins it slightly because it's not real in as far as it's a redirect a misdirection. But that Peter Cushion in those sequences with the the broken glasses doing the Terminator. <laughs> you know, unstoppable killer machine. He's terrifying. Yeah. And catch Much off with so that than, last shot yeah. with those glasses. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant so image. good. Yeah. I mean, but it's a shame he's, be, not, he's yeah. not the bad guy because we would be yeah. voting for him, but he's not. Well, he's what, the good guy. That's where it, that's where it falls down slightly. It's like he's doing this, but he's not the bad guy. I say like, he, uh, he's the good guy, but he has just killed his wife. That's true. Or had his wife but, killed and hangs you know, one of his yeah, teachers. Yeah, but they were trying to kill him, no. Yeah, and, and he is mentally uh, yeah. unstable, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, I, I, he, I won't, he's not a sympathetic character at all. Um, but, yeah, I think they're all as bad as each other. I think it's only Judy Jason that's um, yeah. uh, that's sympathetic. But it looks like she's turned mad at the She's end gone as well. mad as well, yeah. yeah. That was okay. the 70s for you. Yeah. So, there we go. That's our first thriller. Uh, done. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see what we think of the other contemporary thrillers, especially those written by Jimmy Sangster, and where their bad guys uh, sit in the caravan park. At yeah, the end. it will. It'll be interesting. I, I will avoid any uh, sort of looking at them yeah. until we come to review yeah. them because they it, work much better that way. Yeah, if I'd have known the story on this, I wouldn't have enjoyed it half as much. I don't think. No, no. Excellent. So you're you're like a, a an audience member of, yeah, back in '72. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm that naive teenager that's gone to see this and going, um, where's the vampires? How old were you in 72? 72, I was four. No, you wouldn't be seeing that. No, I wouldn't be, be seeing, seeing this, no. <laughs> Do you reckon a lot of people went to it and went, where's the cleavage? Where? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's because yeah. there, there, there's nothing... There's nothing there's sexy no nudity, about it. No sexy. No, yeah, no, there's nothing in it. We do. We see Judy Jason's very old lady like uh, um, sleep apparel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's nothing. There's no. There's nothing of the normal hammer in this one. And I think that really. works much better for it. Yeah, I think it it really adds to it. 
It's 100%. just a weird time in it. Seventy-two. You 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 yeah. create two films so you can have the tagline "Women in Terror." That's yeah, your promotional it, tool to have two films going out on a double bill. Women in Terror. Yeah, they're very much um, exploitation mm. ideas, and it just done with a bit of style. Yeah, but yeah, if you like, like I say, if you like any of the uh, Dario Argento and Mario Bava films of the sort of early to mid 70s i think you'll like this yeah very yeah, much yeah, in that yeah we recommend mold. it yeah 100%. Hara, hammer horrors recommends yeah yes gets our stamp of approval yes right next time yeah it's my choice right and uh something thing i was going to say about our next choice we have just said it's it's really quite funny um that um you know we were just saying when we were teenagers watching hammers you know for the first time we wanted people in latex uh, yep. we, well, not people. You see, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Latex makeup. Yeah. That was a different um, film. Yeah. yeah, and and that's why the film I've chosen, I didn't like at all when I oh, first right. watched it so because I wanted no a, a latex, monster. no monster. Well, there is a monster, and there's oh, a bit okay. of latex, but it's not, it's not as latexy as as others. No, I th- I thought next time because this is episode eight. Um, I thought we'll go back to the beginning to our beginning episode oh, and, okay. and, and we'd have another look at Frankenstein. Oh, Frankie. What so, was the second one? I can't remember. Revenge of Revenge. Frankenstein where you have the least, well, apart from the Freddie Jones oh. one, these are the two films where you don't have an awful lot of prosthetics. Is this the guy with the, the scars around his That's forehead? him. Yeah, oh, that's God, the one. Yeah. It's a I direct sequel one, yeah. to Curse of Frankenstein, Revenge yes. of Frankenstein. Um, was it a rush job? Do we reckon? I think it might be. It it was when Curse of Frankenstein suddenly like yeah went worldwide and they're like, well, we need more of this. Jimmy Sangster, you've killed off Peter yeah. Cushing. Bring him Get, back. Bring him back. Um, we haven't said this to the listener. You and I have discussed this, but what we've decided to do with the uh, the Frankenstein films is because they they are it's the story of the Baron, isn't it, rather it than is, the creature. Yeah. That whenever we um return to a Frankenstein film, we're going to do him in chronological order. Yeah. Because yeah, then we it, can chart the the Baron as as well as looking at the Because he, he definitely gets a bit of an, an arc, doesn't he? The he Baron. does. His character And then it all progress. goes a bit wobbly at the end. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought we would... Yeah, yeah, it's about time, you know, to go back and revisit oh, good, yeah. uh, Frankenstein. So, yeah, Revenge of Frankenstein is our next one. All yeah, right. which if I, I've not seen it in a while, I, I say I think I've got it on Blu-ray. I think it was one that I bought and then I haven't watched. But I got a feeling you're you're right in that people would have gone expecting another Frankenstein monster. Yes, and they might have been a bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm presuming it did well enough that uh, it carried the series on. Yeah, well, we they made another one after yep. that, but there yeah. was a, a, a quite a few years after. It's so like three or four years ah, after right. that, okay. and, and then we were solidly back to yeah. um, where well, it was Kiwi Kingston. It was Evil with Frankenstein after that, where you've um, definitely got a B- Boris Karloff uh, uh, makeup yes. effect, haven't you? Yeah, hundred you percent. They went for that, but, but we're not going to that be, one. We're going to Revenge of Frankenstein yeah. first. It'll be interesting. Yeah, interesting yeah. to see, and that will be in two weeks. All right, Brilliant. good stuff. Okay. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, no listener. Problem. Enjoyed that. And uh, let's go. Nice one. Thanks, then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>